All right, welcome to another lecture of understanding probability and statistics. Today we're going to do two probability rules of the four that we're eventually going to learn. I apologize for the lack of podcasts over the past couple of weeks. I was dying for a while, but I'm a little better now. Plus, I got a new version of Ubuntu and a new version of Audacity, and the new version of Audacity on both my 64-bit and 32-bit machines is prone to freeze up. I think I have fixed some of the problems, but uh, it's been keeping me from recording regularly. All right, so up until now, we've basically been learning the different in, uh, interpretations of probability, different philosophies of probability. Uh, and we're going to keep all that stuff in the back of our minds. We don't need it so much anymore because what I'm going to go over today, uh, all philosophies of probability agree on. And so I'll explain a little bit of that. There have been requests that we do R, the R language, the R software package uh, that is freely available and open source. We will get to R and we will do R. It's chapter five of the class notes. Uh, and if you're listening to this via iPod or something else, uh, you can see a link to the class notes on wmbriggs.com, wmbriggs.com, and you can download them there or search for the word chapter on the website, and almost all of the chapters are online in at least rough form. But we will get to R, and we will do a series of lectures on R, uh, probably sometime late January or early February. All right, so uh, one thing we're going to do is we're going to keep to a discrete and finite world uh, for the next couple of lectures. And what I mean by that is discrete is that things that we're interested in can only take discrete values. And really, that's everything of interest to human beings. Uh, if we take the dice roll examples that we've been working with, those are certainly discrete values. The dies can only take uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, all of those are discrete. If we're interested in measuring somebody's blood pressure, for instance, that might seem more continuous, like a real number, but it is not. Uh, the blood pressure cuff itself can only measure accurately to so many tenths of milligrams of mercury or something like this. Uh, any instrument that you use to make things has uh, certain built-in limitations, and even the universe itself may be discrete at its most fundamental level. Nevertheless, uh, anything that we can measure or that we are interested in is discrete, and so we'll use some discrete math for a while. We will move to non-discrete math, more continuous, real number type things when we talk about normal distributions, but that's not now. The next thing is everything we do will be finite. Uh, a dice roll is certainly finite. We only have six sides that could show, and we're only going to throw the dice a finite number of times. Uh, mathematically, infinity has lots of nice things going for it, but uh, practicality is not one of them, and it's too easy to make a mistake with infinities. Uh, paradoxes crop up uh, unexpectedly, and this has led to uh, difficulties in understanding probability and a lot of disputes come from misunderstanding when one should apply infinities things like the so-called marginalization paradox Bertrand's paradox and so forth all of these paradoxes are the result of people jumping to infinity at the beginnings of their problems and not paying attention to a discrete finite world in which we live 
So all of that's uh, the sort of preliminary of what we're going to talk about. And we need to understand first uh, that if we keep to a discrete and finite world, everybody, whether they're frequentists or subjectivists or judicialists or any version of probability you can think of or versions of complexity and so forth, everybody agrees on the four probability rules that we're going to talk over this lecture and the next. There are many more probability rules than four. There are books and books of them, and people are inventing new ones continuously. However, uh, with the four that we're going to introduce, we can do most of all of probability and statistics, at least at the sort of level of, uh, of these lectures. We can do tons and tons of different kinds of problems. So we'll be able to use just these four rules and apply them in simple ways and really be able to work quite a lot with them. And as I say again, everybody agrees on these rules. Now if you look at uh, other probability and statistics books, you'll see that uh, the notation they use assumes probability is unconditional. And they make great pains to make a distinction between unconditional probability and conditional probability. Now the, the, the big difference that we do have is that for logical probability, uh, the logical probability philosophy, all probability is conditional on evidence. And if you see a typical book, they might say the probability of an ace is 4 and 52. Well, how do they arrive at that? They don't write explicitly in their notation the probability of an ace, given that we know we have a deck of 52 cards, just four of them are labeled ace, and we're going to draw just one of them. Those premises are there, but they're implicit. It's far better and far less confusion would result if we were to write our probabilities explicitly on the knowledge that we have. And then it would become apparent that all probability is in fact conditional. There is some diciness uh, when it comes to measure theory, uh, for those who know about such things, about the radon nicodeme theorem and so forth when talking about continuous numbers and this idea of conditional probability. It runs into a lot of difficulties. This is another reason why we're sticking with the discrete world, because probabilities of uh, continuous events are tricky, and we'll talk about that in a couple of lectures. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get to the example. There's only two rules we're going to do today, and they're very simple, and you already know them. Uh, you just don't know you know them probably, or you don't know their names. Now, if we have some event, some proposition, some statement, in which we have an interest, and that event can be broken down into separate parts. And conditional on our evidence, we know that at least one of those parts must happen. Then the probability of something happening is one, because that's our evidence. The evidence says something might happen. And so the probability that something might happen is certainly one. And the probability of those events separately sum to one. So let's go through an example. Uh, if we have the dice roll or a die roll again, uh, we have a one might show, a two might show, a three might show, and so on. Each of those are separate events, so our die roll can be broken down into discrete separate events. We know if we throw the die, at least one of those must show. And so if we're interested in the probability of the statement, a one shows or a two shows, or a three shows, and so on, up to or a six shows. 
given our evidence, the probability of that statement, the one or two or three or four or five or six, is one. Something must happen. Now the rule states that those ors turn to pluses. So the probability of a one or a two is the probability of a one plus the probability of a two plus the probability of a three, plus the probability of a four, plus the probability of a five, plus the probability of a six, all conditional on the same premises that we have, equals one. And that's it. That's all probability rule one is. Ors turn to pluses. Very simple. You knew this. And, uh, it's easy to apply. Uh, I'll let you think of examples and you could post them. One thing that we, get, we need to understand though is that if we do know an event can be broken down into separate parts, it is not always the case that those separate parts have equal probability. All right, We need to look at our premises and see what premise, the premises say about the probability of each of those uh, sub-events. So it's not the case that everything looks like a sim uh, the, the die roll, which we sort of, uh, we talked about the symmetry and so forth and what that means, but not everything is like that. All right, that's probability rule number one. Very simple. The next probability rule is uh, number two, and it is, uh, it's stated this, or thusly. Um, if we have two or more events, and knowledge of what happens with one event or proposition or statement is irrelevant to knowing what happens with the other events or proposition or statements, then the probability of the two or more events is the probability of the first event times the probability of the second event and so forth. So another way to think of this is uh, by example, let's go back to the ever popular dice roll. The probability of, say, two sixes on two throws, or, which is equivalent, logically, prove this to yourself, of throwing one die twice or throwing two die at the same time, two dice at the same time. So the probability of a six on the first throw, knowing that we got whatever number we got on the first throw, tells us nothing. That knowledge is irrelevant to what we're going to get on the second roll. And if we knew what the second role was, knowledge of that event gives us no information about the event uh, of the first role. So knowledge of either event is irrelevant to one another. So the very simple answer for the probability of two sixes, and state that into English, th that's the English statement, the, what's the probability of two sixes? And we need to turn that back into the language of our probability rules. And so that is the probability of a one or rather a probability of a six on the first event and a six on the second event. The probability rule simply states that those ands turn into times. So the probability of a one and rather a six on the first throw and a six on the second throw is the probability of a six times the probability of a six. All conditional on our premises, of course. We must always remember those premises are there and it's always beneficial to write them out. Now, most people don't, but we will not make that mistake because we don't want to confuse ourselves uh, later on. The classical way to say this is independent. We say those two throws are independent, but that starts 
There's nothing wrong with that per se, but it becomes a little confusing. What do you mean by independent? Well, we're, I'm making the two throws. Uh, how am I independent from myself between the two throws? I mean, has the gravitational field changed? Am I using slightly different spin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? We, we can ignore all of those physical constraints when we state things in terms of the knowledge that we have. And that's, of course, exactly what logical probability is, uh, probability with respect to knowledge that we have. So uh, this is the term that uh, Kynes invented, uh, the same Kynes, yes, that's him. Uh, he has a wonderful book on probability that I, I highly recommend that you should read. It's very difficult to find. Only Dover has it uh, in print still in their Phoenix editions, and it's expensive. Uh, but the term is irrelevant because it states things very clearly in terms of knowledge. So we'll do that. All right, that's all we're going to do. It's very simple. Uh, your job now is to think of events that can be turned into this. Uh, probability rules number one and rules number two. With with these rules, we're really more than halfway there. We have two other rules, but uh, probability rule three is just an extension of number two, and four is a very slight extension of n number three. And with those, we can do just about everything we need to do. All of statistics really uh, can, not all of it, but most of it can fit into these four probability rules. Uh, so that's it until next time, and of course, questions are welcome.